Welcome to the dollop. The we no, have a no, no, no. nope. It, the no. the music transitions into the new song. No, what? Welcome to the dollop. Nope. The dollop. Not the It's no. a tiny, tiny history nope. story. No, 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 buddy. No, we did not discuss this. Um. So. Welcome to the. No. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dave Anthony. I'm here with Gary. Gareth. Uh, Reynolds. Reynolds. He's a Welshman. Don't you leave that last name, you fucker. <laughs> leave me pieces of my identity. Uh, this one starts in France. We oui. <laughs> say so. <laughs> on June 13th, 1974, Frédéric Pierre Boldin was born. He was the illegitimate son of Ghislain Bourdin, who was 18. I already love the wrinkle in this one. Where you, how many names you have to pronounce? It's really, it's a fucking nightmare. This is like my personal hell. <laughs> I, I'm so glad we found that up top. <laughs> I actually just eliminated some of the names. The shopkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, she was 18 and poor when she gave birth. The father was married to someone else, so she ran off and had the kid alone. Okay. Mom liked to drink sure. and dance and stay out at night. She didn't want to have anything to do with her kid. She raised Frederick until he was two and a half when child services intervened. Well, at that point, mothering's done. Yep. The work's over. They're formed. Indeed. No, they are. Two and a half. Two and a half, yeah. A lot of shit's happened. Yeah. It's called imprinting. They smoke in France and, at that age. Yeah, they yep. start smoking at two. Frederick says that his mother had a dire need for attention. Okay. And on rare occasions that he did see her, she would feign being deathly ill and make him run to get help. So... <laughs> So, so when her kid was around, so she would fall over and go, "Oh God, I'm dying! Help again!" And he would run to get people. Well, so it's a classic mother-son relationship. I know that it is gonna, it won't affect him. No, how was stuff like that never creeps up? Like, no, no, that's just something. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's there's, fine. No, there's no way that's going to affect this person. It's fine to do that. And that's the end of the story. Oh, man. I knew it would be fine. I knew it would be fine. I just had a feeling everything would be fine, fine, fine. Okay, so when he was five, he uh, moved in with his grandparents. So, wait. This is before he was five that this shit was happening? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then I'm sure after, yeah. like, because if he was with the grandparents, I'm sure that she kept doing it. Mom's going to come by today to pretend to be dead for a little while. Are you excited? <laughs> Frederick? get your weeping clothes. Go get your kerchief. You're going to be weeping today. So what she's doing is she realizes that she's completely fucked this kid over. So when she sees him, she's so emotionally distraught that she can't handle the emotion of right. having fucked over another, a human being that yeah. came out of her. So she falls over and acts like she's dying. That's a good plan B. And then he runs off. So she's got it all worked out. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's a good audible. <sighs> yep. He was uh, part Algerian. His dad was Algerian. Uh, and without a dad in the village, he became the village outcast. Cool. Because out, they, they have a huge Algerian problem in France. Right. They're, they're, they're yeah, yeah. not treated well. In school, he began to tell fabulous stories about himself. Mm. He said that his father was never around because he was a British secret agent. Yeah. 
Shh, don't tell anyone else, though. <laughs> He'll be so pissed if he knows that I'm using this to show and tell. And everyone was like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I can tell because you're Algerian. Yeah, and your mom almost died 30 times last month. <laughs> he increasingly misbehaved, acting out in class and stealing from neighbors. At 12, he was sent to live in a private facility for juveniles. So the mm. worm has turned. Yeah. I, I, can't, I don't feel good about his future. Oh, you don't? No. Well, I'm filled with pessimism. The glass what? is totally empty. Bourdain often pretended to be am- an amnesiac, <laughs> intentionally getting lost on the streets. So he would just walk out and be like, I don't know who I am. Excuse me. Excuse me. Where I uh, fell off a boat yesterday. Hello. I just rolled up to shore. I had the bread. Do you know who I am? Uh, help me. I don't <laughs> know. Yeah, so what is. So, okay, that's the setup. What's the next part? What's the benefit of the amnesia bit? In 1990, after he turned 16, Bourdin hitchhiked to Paris, where, scared and hungry, he approached a police officer and told him that he was a lost British teen named Jimmy Sale. Hello, I am Jimmy Sale. How are you? (laughs) I'm British. (laughs) Uh, I like the crumpet. I have uh, two normal parents, and I just uh, forgot uh, where I am. Uh, Please feed me and close me. I would like to go back to uh, London. My mother never pretended to die. Please help me. <laughs> he dreamt, I'm from Liverpool. <laughs> he, dreamt that he, he dreamt that they would send him to England where he thought life was more beautiful. Oh, buddy, different than France. Buddy, you're going to miss France so I, uh, fast. I want to go see the trains and factories. <laughs> I want to find out what it's like to have stew for every meal. Tell me what the dole is. So, so when the police discovered that he spoke almost no English, he admitted his deceit and was... You've got me! (laughs) Well, investigated detective. I'm not British at all. As you can tell us the facts that I only knew how to say five words. Ah, you're keen eyes. You're good. You're good, you. You're good. (laughs) You're very thorough. Let's get some cheese. Uh, he then began to wander across Europe, moving in and out of orphanages and foster homes using fake aliases. So he's he just wants to join up and live in places where he's taken care of. Yes. But he's he's now getting past the age where he's yeah. he should be living there. He's he, graduated. He's yeah. yeah. Uh, he's he's getting eighteen in years yeah. where you don't live in an orphanage anymore. Yeah. I mean, that would be a, that'd be a great show, like a thirty year old in an orphanage. <laughs> oh, come on, please give me more gruel. Oh man! Next episode of Bosom Weirdos. So, just two dudes. Yeah. Hey, Jimmy, you want to play a game? You're forty, man. Yeah, you want to play or what? You want to play catch? I went wee-wee my pants again. You are 39, sir. <laughs> Sorry, I had another accident. Oh, am I 39? <laughs> am I 39? Or, or am I 4? Or am I 8? You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Look at me, I'm playing with blocks. Hello. Uh, on June 13th, 1992, after he had posed more than a do- as more than a dozen fictional children, Bourdain turned 18 and became a legal adult. Mm-hmm. Now. Legal. Yeah. 
not actual. He kept doing what he was doing. Though. Yeah. By the mid-90s, he had accumulated a criminal record for lying to police and magistrates in Interpol, and other authorities were increasingly looking for him. So now word is out that there's a dude out there who's like 20 who's trying to get into orphanages oh, so by that- acting like he's younger. Totally normal. Pretty cool. <laughs> Super cool, That's man. That's a pretty cool thing to do. <laughs> uh, Bourdain insists that all he wanted was love and a family. Uh-huh. Okay. Here comes I, I mean, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. In America at this time, near San Antonio, mm-hmm. on June 13th, 1994, at the age of 13, Nicholas... Barkley disappeared. He was last seen, according to his file, wearing a T-shirt, purple pants, black tennis shoes, and carrying a pink backpack. That's that's upsetting. That's tough. <clears throat> Nicholas... That's probably tough to tell the police. <laughs> what was your boy wearing? What was he wearing? Uh, he was um. It's a it was like a like a reddish color. He's a uh, boy. I mean, he's a boy. I, you know, he's a man. My son's a man. I actually not... think that his red back. Fell in some wash. It has a pink hue. Yeah, it, it was got, red. It was a red bag. Well, it got in the wash. It got in the wash. It was a red bag. And uh, might look pink now. Yeah, it might look a little pink. It faded, like a might faded, faded pink, a, little, a faded red. Little faded red, maybe. But yeah, he's a boy. A faded red, but then the, the, the colors came out. So it's like a hot. He pink. loves girls. It's like a hot always, pink. My boy's always talking oh about God. ladies. I can't get the penthouses out of. I his mean, room. really, he is a jerk off machine. <laughs> I mean, when he's here. He's not here right now. He's not here right now. He's got a pink bag. Nicholas came from a poor, broken family. He had almost no relationship with his father. Interesting. Mm. Who, for a long time, didn't know that he even had a son. Nicholas was sweet. He was lonely, but he was combustible. He craved attention and was often in trouble at school. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. He had been caught stealing a pair of tennis shoes, and his mother had planned on putting him in a youth home. I couldn't handle him anymore, she recalls. I couldn't control him. She was a tough, heavyset woman with a broad face and dyed brown hair. She worked the graveyard shift at a Dunkin' Donuts in San Antonio seven nights a week. She had never married Nicholas's father and had raised Nicholas with her two older children, Carrie and Jason. She was also a heroin addict. Oh, okay. She had struggled during Nicholas's youth to get off drugs. After he disappeared, she began to use heroin again and was now addicted to methadone. But she was a very functioning drug addict. Like, she was the kind of drug addict that would go to work at Dunkin' Donuts and they would be like, oh, you're a good worker. You're good. You know what large and small is. <laughs> That's really a testament to how much brain power you need to work in a place where all you do is pour in microwave. That's so true. Meth- methadone people like, that'll be three twenty nine. Like, there you go. Normal transaction. Hey, uh, Bev, uh, I noticed that... Uh, we didn't make any money again last night? Yeah. For, that's like a year now. Yeah. Slow night. <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Slow yeah, night. Um, when Nicholas was young, he was a diehard Michael Jackson fan who collected the singer's records and even owned a red leather jacket like the one Jackson wears in his Thriller video. Mm. Do you know who was also... A huge Michael Jackson fan. Baldine. 
But Dean was also a huge Michael Jackson fan and was known for moonwalking and dancing just like Michael Jackson. He was probably, at some point probably told the cop he was Michael Jackson. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm just a, a British Michael Jackson and I have lost myself. <laughs> My mother was normal. Send me back to Neverland, yeah. <laughs> Please, deport me to Never Neverland Ranch. Uh, in October 1997, Bourdain was at a youth home in Spain. A welfare, a child welfare judge who was handling his case gave him 24 hours to prove that he was a teenager. Otherwise, he would take his fingerprints, which were on file with Liverpool. Now, what in the fuck is happening with Spain that you're like, all right, in 24 hours, you're going to show me that you're a teenager or or we'll do it. Or st- like, just fucking take his fingerprints. Welcome to the court of movie plot. <laughs> you have 24 hours to prove you're a teenager. 20th Century Fox presents. Yes, I don't know. I'm 20, actually. A man's journey. I don't know how to prove it. I want order in this court. I had 24 hours. John Travolta. (laughs) Oh, my God. Justin Bieber. (laughs) Out of order. 24 to boy. 24 to teen. What a fucking crazy judge. Oh, yeah, the judge. Just I mean, fucking take his fingerprints and uh, it's no, all over. There's no way that the bailiff was like. What could go wrong? What? Hey, show me that you're who you say you are in 24 hours, and let me just say this nothing can go wrong. All rise, the Honorable Judge Fun. <laughs> I like to keep it a little spicy in the court. Bourdain knew that as an, an adult with a criminal record, he would likely face prison this time. He had already tried to run away once and was caught by the staff, and they were keeping an eye on him. Okay, that makes sense. Bourdain had always invented identities. He had always made up the identities of people, but this time he did something different. He asked permission to use the telephone in the shelter's office and called the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Alexandria, Virginia. Speaking in English, he claimed that he was a director of the shelter. He said that a frightened child had turned up who did not want to close, uh, disclose his identity, but he spoke English with an American accent. Bourdain offered a description of the boy that matched himself. Uh, is short, uh, slight, a prominent chin, brown hair, a gap between his teeth. And uh, his mother was always pretending to die. <laughs> you know, American teen. And asked if the center had anyone similar in its database. After searching, a woman at the center said that the boy might be Nicholas Barkley, who had been reported missing in San Antonio on June 13th, 1994. Oh, no. She asked if the center... Why do you say that? Because, dude. <laughs> I, see what's, I see what's happening. She asked if the center could send more information that it had regarding Barkley. Or he asked, sorry. The woman that said that she could mail overnight Barkley's missing person flyer and immediately fax a copy as well. The fax printout was so faint that uh, most of it was illegible. Ill- Ill- it's okay. Ill- there you go. There you go. Illegible. Illegible. Oh, boy. It's got worse. Global. Global. I think you mean legible, right? You started with legible. Global. Legible. Legible. It's still. Just move on. I'll just say it for you. Do they do this on NPR? Yes, I think so. (laughs) 
Still, the photograph's resemblance to him was close. Uh, he quickly called back the center, and he told the woman, I have some good news. Nicholas Barkley is standing right beside me. What a fucking asshat. There's Awful. some woman who probably has lost a child, is now working in a center yeah. to find children, and he's just given her hope. He's just given her the best fucking news yeah. she's ever ever had since she's been working at the Kids Are Never Found Center. <laughs> it's all because of the fun judge. <laughs> right. Yeah. 24 hours. What could go wrong? Let's ruin two lives. <laughs> I want to see how many lives you can ruin 24 hours. Go! Someone go with it. Be a counter. Someone count. Uh, Elated, she gave the number to the officer in the San Antonio Police Department who was in charge of the investigation. This time, pretending to be a Spanish policeman, he phoned the officer and declared the missing child had been found. So he's fucking straight up on the offensive. Yeah. So he, yeah. So he's what he's in, doing is just proving that he's a teenager. Right. Yeah. He's That's trying, all he's trying to right, do. That's what I figured. But in the process, I mean, things are kind of opening up here, yeah, wouldn't you say? A little collateral damage. <laughs> <laughs> the officer contacted the FBI and the U.S. Embassy in Madrid. The next day at the shelter, Bordin intercepted a package from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. He ripped the envelope open. Inside was a clean copy of Nicholas Barkley's missing person flyer. It showed a color photograph of a small, fair-skinned boy with blue eyes and blonde hair. The flyer listed several identifying features, including a cross tattooed between Barkley's right index finger and thumb. Not only did Bourdain not have the same tattoo, his eyes were brown and his hair was brown. So... We've got some obstacles. Yeah, I think that's being fair. <laughs> uh, Must he, have been a kind of shitty moment for him. I mean, he's like, "Fuck, this is way off." Ah, merd. Shit, this is so much different. Ah, this boy's different. Where yeah. am I going to get the tattoo yeah, on my hand shit, today? Shit, uh, piss, fuck. There's three hours till I have to be back in cards. <laughs> he burned the flyer. That also, who the fuck is watching these kids at the shelter? Yeah. Yeah. He burned the flyer, then went into the bathroom and bleached his hair. Okay. But but what? Who in the fuck? So he's just in front of the judge. Right. There's all this staff yes. who knows he doesn't have blonde hair. Yes. And all of a sudden he walks out of the bathroom and they go, who are you? Yeah. I'm Nicholas. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs> but I mean, really, it's not like that. this whole plan is. There's not a lot of forethought. No, it's a terrible plan. Because, I mean, really, the judge will be like, okay, your hair's different. Like, <laughs> my, my hair's always been like this. Uh, my hair is not only different, but I am American. Yeah, I'm, I'm American. My name is Nicholas Gosperos. Yeah, fuck you, I am American. <laughs> fuck you, I love everything. Pancakes and coffee beans. <laughs> what so? Uh, so he burned the flyer he went into the bathroom bleached his hair and then he had a friend uh, give him the tattoo in the same place mm-hmm. uh, using like ink from a pen like dug it in the, like not a real it sounds like a possibly infected tattoo uh, yeah it's something you can wash off probably <laughs> uh, he tried to conceive of a story that would explain his eyes yeah right well, yeah lightning blue in eyes, his eyes blue eyes to brown yep close uh what if he had been abducted by a child sex ring and flown to Europe where he had been tortured and abused and experimented on? Huh? That would explain the eyes 
Right? If everybody, yeah, yeah, if yeah. everybody's a moron, yeah, yeah, that would explain the eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like if everybody uh, around him is a fucking idiot. Yeah, it perfectly explains the eyes. Yeah, it sounds like he might be in the right court for this lie. <laughs> that is fucking amazing, though. That he's like, they were um, molesting us and raping us, and then, um, you know, doing medical experiments. On- wait, wait, what? So what were they doing? They were just jacks of all trades. Uh, they love to rape and discover science. And change eye color. <laughs> One of the things they worked on for years was how to change someone's eye color. I saw them give one boy four nostrils. <laughs> they turned one kid's eyes pink. It's insane what they were doing. Made one guy have black ears. It was a whole thing. It was like Mr. Potato Head. One boy became a pony. Uh, so, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> So um, that's what he said. He said, and the kidnappers injected chemicals into his eyes that yep. changed his eye color. Yep. Uh, he lost. Uh, he said he lost his Texas accent because he had been in captivity for three years, and they refused to let him to speak English. Yeah, um, he had escaped from a locked room in a house and no uh, accents. Ran away. Yep. Perfect. Per- who wouldn't buy this? Hey, listen. I mean, it sounds like a really good normal story that yep. I would believe. Right. Yep. That's why he looks different. Because soon after, this guy's changed his eye color. Soon after, <laughs> mid molesting, <laughs> on a molesting halftime, they were like, "Let's uh, change his eyes." I only like to molest boys with brown yeah. eyes. No accents. <laughs> no accents. There'll be no English. You need a French accent. All right, we had a meeting, uh, a molesters meeting, and uh, we came up with these two things. Uh, we want everyone to have brown, three things: brown hair, brown eyes, and uh, no accents. All right. Actually, we want French accents. Sorry. When I say no accents, French accents. <laughs> really authentic French accents. Brown eyes, brown hair. And uh, then we'll molest you some more. Okay, guys? Sound good? All and right. everybody get their hands in. <laughs> and go! Um, soon after the, phone, after the phone in the office rang, and it was Nicholas Barkley's 31-year-old half-sister, Carrie. Oh, Jesus Christ. My God, Nikki, is that you, she asked. We wait. I mean, yes. Bourdine said, "Yes, it is me. It is me." Listen to me, same as always. Quietly, you know, muffled yeah. tones. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is I. Yes, me coming, Nick. Hello, mother. How is Sorry, it? sister. What is the Spurs record? <laughs> Are they good? <laughs> Who looks good in the West? So, Nicholas's mother, Beverly, got on the phone. Um, after the childlike voice on the other end said that he wanted to come home. She told. She said, "I was dumbfounded and blown away." Carrie had uh, uh, had often held the family together during Beverly's struggles with drug addiction, mm-hmm. and since Nicholas's dearest parents, her mother and brother had never seen the same. Carrie volunteered to go to Spain to bring Nicholas home, and the company she worked for offered to pay the flight for the flight. Because it's a big, if you're a company, you're yeah. like, holy shit, no, go, oh, I go get to that, but I'm thinking about what the fuck is the Frederica, what the fuck, <laughs> this is not lining don't, up well. Don't you believe in happy endings? You're <laughs> such do. a pessimist. Yeah, uh, Dave, you're why do you such... think I'm a fucking pessimist? <laughs> Have you been on this podcast? <laughs> this this is going to end beautifully. No, it's not. No, you've you already told that. me this one. You don't know that. I do, too. Something's going to happen. No. I mean, it's already happening. It's beautiful. What's happening is beautiful. No, the wheels are in motion for a train wreck. The family is finding their son. They're no, they're not. Son. He's a fucking French loser. Oh, such a, oh, such a pessimist. 
When she arrived at the shelter a few days later, accompanied by an official from the U.S. Embassy. Jesus Christ. Bourdine, after wrapping his face in a scarf and putting on a hat and sunglasses, came out of the room. Like. Oh, so when. Well, like, like a Jawa comes out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's the invisible man, like in public. So what is it? I can't wait to hear what, what the fuck is his plan. So um, I medically had the scarf put on my face and I could never remove it. But I'm yours. You are mine. You are what you are. I still don't think he has a plan. I think it's just no. all unraveling. It's, there was no ravel. It's not unraveling. It was never raveled. <laughs> Carrie rushed towards him and hugged him. Gary had never traveled outside the United States except for partying in Tijuana and was unfamiliar with European accents and with Spain. After Nicholas disappeared, she often watched television shows about lurid child abduction. So she was sort of programmed to believe this is what had happened to him. Right. Wow. She had the burden of deciding as her family's representative whether this was her long lost brother. And no, it was. No. Fuck. It was. No, it wasn't. Oh, this How? is so great. It's How? great. <laughs> Even though he had a small French accent and brown eyes, yep. Carrie says that she had little doubt that it was Nicholas. Yep. Not when his nose now looks so much like her Uncle Pat's. Yeah. His nose, what she is saying there is that his nose has changed to finally look like Uncle Pat's yep. nose. And new eyes. And new eyes. Listen, you know how these molesters are. They want different eyes. They want different noses and different eyes. It's a game to them. He had the same tattoo as Nicholas. Your heart takes over and you want to believe, Carrie said. She showed Bourdine photographs of the family and he studied each one. This is my mother. This is my half-brother. This is my grandfather. There's Uncle Pat, whose nose uh, I haven't opted in over his years. Uh, they all have blue eyes, I have brown eyes. Hello. Uh, and neither American nor Spanish officials raised any questions once Carrie well, why would had vouched for him. Why would they? Uh, Nicholas had gone I've been gone for only three years and the FBI was not primed to be suspicious of someone claiming to be a missing child that's fair no it isn't because they should uh, to find out whether okay tell me about the kid oh he wasn't French <laughs> did you take his why didn't you take his fingerprints oh I mean what? like yeah. he has brown yeah. eye what is happening this is, in Europe this is the 90s <laughs> this is not the 1880s when this shit perhaps right? could Yeah. I mean, there are ways to know. Jesus Christ. But in a way, you can also... I guess you can understand a little bit if you are some of the people who are, like, going to let this happen. If she's like, it's him, you're probably a little more like, oh, well, fuck. I mean, it's his sister. Right. She's saying it. Right. Maybe it, it must be. Right. Yeah. Okay. But... I, but but still. But still. <laughs> uh, Carrie swore under oath that Bourdine was her brother and an American citizen. He was given a U.S. Pa- passport the next day and was on a flight to San Antonio. Well. Happy ending. All right. Do uh, you have any dates? <laughs> Anything you want to plug? <laughs> what? It's happening. I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halfway to America. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's, there's more. There's a little tiny bit oh, more. Okay. Halfway to America, he began to freak out, as Carrie puts it, trembling and sweating. As she tried to comfort him, he told her that he thought the plane was going to crash. Oh, and my eyes are brown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I swear, as my eyes are blue, this plane is going to crash. So, when the plane landed, 
Members of Nicholas's family were waiting for him at the airport. Bordine recognized them from the photographs that she'd shown him. So he is already yeah, like, he knows. Hello, brother. Like he's, yeah. uh, so, uh, Beverly, Nicholas's mother, Carrie's husband, Brian, Brian and Carrie's 14 year old son, Cody, their 10 year old daughter, Chantel. Only Nicholas's brother, Jason, who was a recovering drug addict and living in San Antonio, was not there. Mm. Only Jason didn't come. Okay. Bordine was bundled up in his hat, his scarf, yep. and his whole the deal. man his, arrives his in San Antonio. sunglasses hiding his uh, eyes. Yep. Uh, tattoo covered by gloves. The yep. family rushed to embrace him, saying how much they missed him. We were all just emotionally crazy, Cody recalls. Nicholas's mother, however, hung back. Mm. So Beverly hangs back. Mm-hmm. She's not rushing in. Okay. She just didn't seem excited the way you expect okay. from someone seeing their son for the first time They're in three years. Son, yeah. Eventually, she came over and greeted him. Okay. But something was off. All right. I like this Beverly now. Yeah. Well, on the ride home. No, I don't. I did. I don't now. On the ride home, he just sat by his mom and talked to his cousin about how much he missed school and kept asking when he'd see Jason. Uh, uh, Jason. Uh, Bourdain stayed with Carrie and Brian instead of his mom. Okay. I mean, she was... She worked and she was, she was a methadone addict. Yeah, so yeah. that makes it hard to watch a, a kid. Full-time job on its own. Uh, luckily, Carrie and Brian lived in a remote, desolate trailer home out in the woods. Lovely. 35 miles north of San Antonio. I'd rather be in a Spain prison. There was no internet. I'd rather be in a Spanish prison. <laughs> Honestly. Than a trailer park. So he picked the worst family to call yeah. on. Like, he was probably thinking, oh, oh my God, I'm going to go live in this big house in America. He was picturing, like, Beverly Hills 90210. Totally. And then he gets there, and they're like, well, that's the pissing hole. Okay, so the dog used to sleep there, but that's your bed now. <laughs> you want corn pops for dinner? What kind of cereal do you want for dinner? Um, I don't... We got chili, but we don't have a can opener. My name's Frederick. Um... <laughs> Please, no. I usually have cheese for dinner. Hey, shut up, Alfson! He shared a room with Cody. Oh, the luxury. It's prison. He slept on a foam mattress on the floor. (laughs) Great. All worth it. Bourdain knew that if he were to continue to fool his family, he had to learn everything about them. He began to mine information and they secretly rubbing through George drawers and picture albums and watching home videos. So he's fucking in. He's trying to become this kid. Which is crazy because at this point, he there's no need. He's gotten what he wants out of the situation. He just wanted to get the fuck out of jail, right? Yeah, but he's also like trapped out in the woods now. Yeah. But he can't leave again because then reports would go on the news. But he could. Yeah, he could. He just lets his hair go normal. He doesn't look like the fucking guy. I mean, they're not gonna. They're gonna put out pictures of the real Nicholas and Frederick will just let his fucking shit go together. I mean, how are you even gonna do that on the news? Now he actually. So, he was, but the picture we're showing you, he was actually experimented on since then, and his nose is different and his eyes are brown. He was kidnapped by Mengele. <laughs> So, uh, fuck. <laughs> when he would discover a detail about Nicholas passed from one family member, he would then go and repeat it to another. So he would act like he yeah. remembered stuff. It's like that time when the dog ran away. <laughs> exactly, Nicholas. So good to have you back. 
He pointed out, for example, that Brian once got mad at Nicholas for knocking Cody out of a tree. Do you remember the time when I knocked young Cody out of the tree? You are so pissed. Oh, you're so angry. You're so mad at me. My name's Nicholas. You're like mad. You're like, Nicholas, no, that's you for sure. Don't do that. (laughs) Beverly noticed that Bourdain knelt in front of the television just as Nicholas had. Various members of the family said they assumed the strange accent was because of the terrible treatment he had suffered. So what the fuck? I mean, that happens, though. What, does a it? lot of kids are molested into different languages. <laughs> yeah, actually, no. I got molested so much I was Russian for about 10 years. Yeah, it was... Uh, they were brutal. I knew my son was being molested, but he started speaking French fluently. <laughs> Uh, Bourdain and what, what dumb, That is so dumb, though, for them. No, to they're be, fucking morons. Like, no, they're fucking morons. How do they think? I mean, really, how could nobody bring facts into the equation? It's mind-boggling. <laughs> You'll learn why later. <laughs> Bourdain enrolled in high school and did his homework each night, chastising Cody when, Cody when he failed to study. He played Nintendo with Cody. He watched movies with the family. Uh, when he saw Beverly, he hugged her and said, Hi, Mom. Uh, occasionally on Sundays, he attended church with other members of the family. Once, when Carrie was shooting a home movie of Bourdain, he asked him what he was thinking. And Bourdain said, it's really good to have my family and be home again. Wee oh, wee. Oui, oui. He's got to be going. I mean, he's already bad shit, but this has to be very stressful. On November 1st, <laughs> Charlie Parker, uh-huh. a private investigator, was sitting in his office in San Antonio. And the telephone rang. It was a television producer from the show Hard Copy. Oh, wow. Who had heard about the extraordinary return of a 16-year-old boy and wanted to hire Parker to help investigate the kidnapping. Okay. Parker agreed to take the job. Parker agreed to shoot the fish in the barrel. (laughs) I mean, once... Okay. (laughs) So, on November 6th, Parker arrived at the trailer with a producer and a camera crew. The family didn't want Bourdain to speak to reporters. Yeah. But Bourdain... <laughs> you mean Nicholas. Yes, sorry, Nicholas. The family didn't want Nicholas to... But Nicholas, who had been in the country for nearly three weeks, was like, yes, yes, I want to talk. Come on, let me share my story. It's, uh, a, it's a crazy story. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Let's go, USA fireworks. I was fingered to have brown eyes. Also, the accent is from many men that are buggering. You know buggering? Bugger me so much, I became French and have brown eyes. You've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> Parker stood off to one side, listening intently as the young man relayed his story. But Parker, Parker was puzzled by the curious accent. Oh, really? Now, why? <laughs> Finally. Well, he's from a place called Not Fucking Morons. Uh, okay. He's not. Okay. I get you. Uh, Parker spied a photograph of the shelf of Nicholas Barkley as a young boy and kept looking at it and then at the person in front of him thinking something was wrong. Everything's wrong. Having once read that ears are distinct like fingerprints. He went up to the cameraman and whispered, zoom in on his ears, get one as close as you can. So he did. The cameraman was like, don't tell me the fucking job. Don't, bro. hey, fuck That's you. That's not the angle. Uh, hey, we don't interview ears, dipshit. 
<laughs> His ear didn't come from France after it got abducted. Are the you, whole person. Are you fucking trying to get me fired? What are you, just some ear pervert? Oh, so these are ears. Zoom, zoom in on the ears nice and tight. For me. I'm going to take my... Oh, I'm gonna take my oh, penis yeah, out of my. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna take my penis out. <laughs> Get in on those ears. Yeah. Get in on those ears. Oh my god! It, oh yeah! Look at that canal. <laughs> <laughs> um, he stole the photograph of Nicholas Barkley. Okay. And then he went back to his office and he compared the ears. <laughs> he did an ear comparison. The ears didn't match. No. What? Wrong fucking ears. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> he must have really gotten molested if his ears also changed. Oh, my God. This poor guy must have just been through hell. Oh, the poor kid. Parker, call, Parker called several oh, Whoa. ophthalmologists. That's okay. a tough word. Yeah. And asked if he could be changed, if eyes could be changed from blue to brown by injecting chemicals. The doctor said no. Nope. No, that's not a thing. Have a good day. <laughs> Bye-bye now. No, that'd be crazy. Okay. Parker also phoned a dialect expert uh, in San Antonio who told him that even if someone had been held in captivity for three years, he would quickly regain his native accent. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, have you been he molested? He called the no shit hotline. Have you? <laughs> Hello, no shit hotline. Hey, uh, when it rains, is that water? Yes, it is. All right, thanks. Thanks you for calling. Bye-bye. <laughs> So, Parker passed on his suspicions to authorities, uh, and the San Antonio police didn't give a shit. They're like, ah, no, that's in the wind column. No. We got that over here on the green board. Yeah. You want to put us in, you want to put it back on the red board? Well, we're Go fuck this yourself. Bust, actually. Oh, hey, guess what? There's a uh, private investigator over here who thinks he knows who the kid is, and his mom doesn't. Hey, everyone. This guy's talking about ears. Goodbye. <laughs> God. Anybody want to take an ear call? Hey, Jesus Christ. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And the ears didn't match. Take care, buddy. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'd send you over to the ear department, but we don't have one. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Parker passed. Uh, so, he passed on the submissions. They didn't care. But Parker was worried that a dangerous stranger was living with the family. So, so we finally have one person. We have a to person root for. We have a person to root for in this story. Yeah, okay, good. And enter the non-idiot. Yeah. So he phoned Beverly and he told her what he had discovered, and she said, "Nope, that's my son." But Parker couldn't let it go because there was a foreign foreigner. Yeah. Infiltrating a trailer home in the backwoods of Texas. Yes, he should not let it go. Who he thought was a terrorist. Oh, wow. Oh, so, Jesus. So, okay. okay. An overreach by Parker. Okay, now hear me out. <laughs> so here's what happens. Okay. Here's what happens. Sure. Terrorists want to get into America, right? Absolutely. And so the best way to do it is to fake being an abducted boy. Yes. And Nobody's looking for those terrorists. No, and it's easy to convince a family... That yeah. you're somebody else. Over, you've heard it a, a lot of times. Terrorists keep doing this. And the family families you want to target are the ones who live 35 miles out in the woods in yes. the middle of nowhere with yep. no internet. Yeah, where there's a, a hot spot. Right. Yeah. So then you can blow up some trees. You can hurt squirrels. Hurt American squirrels. Take right. away American squirrels' freedom. Right. Yeah. So we're going to get to the bottom That's of this shit. Right. These colors don't run. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. 
Parker started watching Beverly's apartment. So he's doing stakeouts whenever the kid visits. He's doing non-authorized stakeouts. He's staking it out. He's stalking. It's a stalkout. Okay, so he's stalking a, he's stalking a drug addict. Better, house. better, 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 better. Warmer. When the, uh, imp, when the terrorist comes over. Okay, good. Who's <laughs> 16. Right, right, yep. Yeah. Yep, the 16-year-old terrorist. <laughs> After two months in the United States, Bourdain started to come apart. Okay. Eat these too much. You fry everything. <laughs> Everything's fried. We could kill you to have some fucking asparagus or a piece of broccoli. The bread tastes like pepper. The bread is terrible. This is shit. This is hard already. American slices. But I love the movie stars. American slices are not fucking cheese. It's not cheese. It, what is it smell? What is the smell of cheese? The bridge should be runny. A runny bridge. Running. That's it's fun to imagine. Like it would be interesting to find out how long it takes if you really have never had a dose of America. Oh. If you're fully ingratiated into I mean, it, he, to find out how long until you're like, I hate this shit. He went to fucking America. America. Oh yeah, he went straight to America. Yeah, he went to America. Yeah, uh, he went he, to the place where you took our guns. Is like said daily. It's yeah, like good morning. Daily. Good morning. You don't take our guns. Don't take our guns. Don't take our guns. I'll actually just get a refill on the coffee. Don't take our guns. He was moody and aloof. He stopped attending classes and was then suspended. In December, he took off in Brian and Carrie's car and drove to Oklahoma with the windows down, listening to Michael Jackson's song, Scream. The police pulled, pulled him over for speeding and he was arrested. Beverly, Carrie, and Brian picked him up at a police station and brought him home. So the the boy is troubled. Yes. The, the well, boy, it's not their like, boy. Just like Nicholas was. Yes. Nicholas is... Well, Nicholas is troubled. Gone. Nicholas is troubled. He's gone. Shortly before Christmas, Nicholas went to the bathroom, grabbed a razor, and began to mutilate his face. Smart. I am not. You are not me. <laughs> I miss my blue eyes so much. I am a fucking monster. <laughs> Look at you, monster! Look at Merry fucking Christmas, everybody! I got you scars! <laughs> uh, that's what we do in Lyon! <laughs> you fucking cunts! <laughs> so. Uh, uh, do you, I mean, it would be even weirder if someone like gave him a razor, because they'd be like, Chuck, why'd you give him a razor? He just put his face I thought he'd like it! He's getting out to age where he should shave! I didn't know he could cut up his face. He'd shave his face off. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with the kid? It says right on the package. He was put in a psychiatric ward of a local hospital for several days of observation, which he probably fucking loved. He's like, yeah. oh, I am back home being taken care of by these. It's an orphanage, but with grown-ups. But I love that there were psychiatrists who didn't... Like a psychiatrist. Yeah. Yes, professionals. For their, they should be trained. Yes. There should be psychologists, psychiatrists. They're trained... Because they can tell when there's something off about a person. That's their job. Yes. That's it. He's there for uh, evaluation. I mean, the whole thing is to be like, find problems. Right. Find the issues. Find the issues. Yes. Issues being you're not the person. Issues being everything is a lie. (laughs) Doctors judged Bourdain to be stable enough to return to Carrie's trailer. I mean, you have to air quote doctors then. Because also, there's not. no there's no way they have like good insurance, right? Like, and where they are too, they're probably like, oh, he seems fine. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't seem that weird. He says he's who he is. We got another guy who's supposed to come in. I mean, maybe we just let him go. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, that sounds good. All right, okay. You want potato chips? Yep. Oh, I love them. I'm, I'm gonna get some chili and dip it in there. I'm gonna eat chili with my hands. 
That boy with the brown eyes is gone, right? Yeah, I don't know. I, we've spent, I think that was yesterday. We've been talking about food for a day. Oh, God, I sat on my gun. But he remained disquieted and increasingly wondered what happened to the real Nicholas Barkley. Who? Wait. So Bourdain. Bourdain is little now French like, boy. where's the real me? Where a little French boy is like, he's not even French, he's 18, but he's like, he's getting a weird sense. Okay. So he's living here. And he's going crazy, but yes. he's like something is off. So he thinks it's him. <laughs> he's off. Something's not right about this situation. No, no, nothing's right. You're not right. Everything's wrong about the situation. Parker, you're not him. You know that, right? <laughs> Mother seems distant. No, 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 no. Let me be him till we find out the crime. I will solve my own kidnapping. Wait, wait, wait. Like OJ. Like OJ did it. I want to find the real Nicholas. Wait. Wait. Just keep me on the cover for another month. He just walks up to people and goes, Have you seen this boy? And just gestures to his own face. Have you seen this boy? Have you seen this boy? We think his eyes may be blue now. <laughs> so... I mean, uh, uh, what, like, this guy's already lost his shit, but now he's like, what's the fight? The guy, what? He, like, wants to trip himself up. Come on, he's in, he's been living, he's been he's living like, as the boy, he wants to know who took himself. Look, twinsies, I found him. <laughs> so whole family's back together again. When they molested me, I turned into two people. <laughs> they molested me so much, I parted. <laughs> I fragmented into two beings. Uh, so Parker, investigator Parker, also was wondering what happened. Yeah. And he started gathering information and interviewed Nicholas's neighbors. Always the, a good call. At the time Nicholas disappeared in 1994, he was living with Beverly in a small one-story house in San Antonio. Nicholas's half-brother, Jason, who you will remember did not show up at the airport, yeah. Um, was 24 back then had moved in with them JC was wire and strong with uh, and he, he had long brown curly hair and a comb tucked into the back pocket of his jeans so he was in the movie The Outsiders yes he so, so he was Pony Boy <laughs> so um, he had burn marks on his body and face at 13 he had lit a cigarette after filling a lawnmower with gasoline and accidentally set himself on fire. Now, that's just Texas. Yeah, I, I, the word accidentally is not fair. No. You know stupidly, the deal. Uh, yeah, stupidly lit himself on fire. Oh, man, I realize I'm covered in gas, but I could really use some fire right hey, now. Hey, you guys know what flammable means? I just learned it when I lit my face on fire. <laughs> so, uh, Jason always thought he would be alone because of his scars. He used to strum Leonard Skinner, song, Leonard Skinner songs in his, on his guitar and sketch portraits of his friends. Uh, though he had only completed high school, he was bright and articulate. He had a very addictive personality like his mother, often drinking heavily and using cocaine. Okay. So that's the older bro. Sounds fun. Sketch when, your friends a new blow. <clears throat> when Nicholas disappeared, Beverly and Jason told police that Nicholas had been playing basketball three days earlier and called his house from a payphone wanting a ride home. Jason answered the phone and told Nicholas to walk home, but uh, Nicholas never made it. What? Fuck. What? There it is. <laughs> yeah, Jason. J Jason. What? Yeah. What? Oh, fuck what? yeah. What? 
The police initially thought he had run away, even though he hadn't taken any money or possessions. Just after Nicholas disappeared, there were several disturbances at Beverly's house. On July 12th, she called police, uh, though when an officer arrived, she insisted that she was all right. Jason told the officer that his mother was drinking and screaming at him because her other son ran away. A few weeks later, Beverly called police again about what authorities described as family violence. Jason was asked to leave the house for a day. Uh, on September 25th, police received another call, this time from Jason. He claimed that his younger brother would return and try to break into the garage and fleed when Jason saw him. In his report, the officer on duty said he had checked the area for Nicholas but was unable to locate him. Hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, hmm? yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jason's. I'm right. I'm what? right with. I get it. I know where we're going. Jason's behavior grew more erratic. He was arrested for using force against a police officer. Beverly kicked him out of the house. He went on a bad drunk binge and was shooting cocaine for a long time. Jesus. The family thought Jason felt guilty for not picking up Nicholas from basketball yep. practice. Yep. In late 1996, Jason checked himself into a rehabilitation center and weaned himself off drugs. Well, not himself. After he finished the program, he served as a counselor there, and he was still there when Nicholas turned up at the airport claiming to be his missing brother. Uh Uh-huh. But Jason did not come to see Nicholas Mm -hmm. until he had been there for a month and a half. Okay. Even then, he was standoffish. Right. He never hugged Bourdain. And kept eyeing him from across the room. Uh Uh-huh. Finally. Jason then asked Nicholas Uh to come outside. (laughs) He gave Nicholas a gold cross, put it around his neck, and left. And Bourdain never saw him again. So that was probably to save him from vampires. Yeah, what? I really was. I really was hoping he'd be like, "Look, I know you're not my brother." I know, right? Instead, he was like, "Look, there's something I gotta tell you." But maybe he did. Maybe yeah. outside he did say, "You're not my fucking brother." Here's a cross. Here, why don't you fucking find God, you bitch? Yeah. And he said, "Oh, thank you very much." Thank you. What these bitch? Thank you. What what you talk about? I don't know. Uh, I got you this. Sorry, you got kidnapped. Here's a cross. Later. Bourdain immediately thought that Jason knew what had happened to Nicholas. Uh-huh. But that's a nightmare. Yeah. You can see how there's problems because you're the one guy who knows who killed the kid, but you're posing as the kid. It's the classic catch-22. Oh, wait. You can't go and tell anybody wait, wait, that wait. that guy killed the guy because you're the guy wait, wait, that's wait. alive. Wait, wait, wait. What? So that's the fucking deal? So if he goes and tells people, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. that oh, means no. he's not. So then he would go to so jail. So they have the, the most uncomfortable relationship known to man. It's like two criminals are like, I know you did something bad. I know you did something bad. Well, neither one of us can say anything. Yeah. We have an agreement here. I killed you. We have I'm agreement. pretending. Okay, pinky swear? <laughs> pinky swear, pinky swear. Yeah, 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 yeah pinky swear. Yeah, of course, yes. Don't you murder me now. So now the FBI began sniffing around. Thank God. An agent, Nancy Fisher, had interviewed Bourdain about his alleged kidnapping, and she thought something was off. Yeah, because she worked for because, the fucking well, because FBI. Because she's a thought? cop. I mean, for Because she's sake. trained. Because he has blue eyes! <laughs> Different uh, ears. I mean, what the fuck? I mean, it's just unbelievable. Parker and Fisher began working together. Good. 
In November, under the pretext of getting Bourdain treatment for his alleged abuse, Fisher took him to see a forensic psychiatrist in Houston who concluded that he could not be American and was most likely French or Spanish. The FBI took the results to Beverly and Carrie, but they insisted that he was Nicholas. It's him. But it's we're telling you science is saying it's impossible. Yeah, it's him, though. <laughs> I don't know what to, what to tell you guys. Sorry you had to drive all the way out here. It's him. <laughs> See you later. Uh, Fisher tried to persuade Beverly and, and uh, Bourdain to give blood samples for a DNA test, but both refused. Oh. I like how she's nicely dropping into this dependency. Beverly said, how dare you say he's not my son? Yes. How dare you? How dare how you? How fucking dare Besides you? Besides different ears, eyes, height, weight, accent, he's him. <laughs> I mean, besides everything. Besides everything, it's him. Will you look at him? What you're ignoring is everything. In the middle of February, four months after he arrived in the United States, Fisher obtained warrants to force them to cooperate. I go to her house and get a blood sample, and she lies on the floor and says she's not going to get up. Also, just to point out, you don't need to get up to give a blood sample. (laughs) Amazing threat. If you want Good this, luck. Good luck taking it from me. Okay, I'm just going to take it from you. Most people run when they don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, there we go. Good luck. You got it all? I would run if I was not on heroin. <laughs> if you want this blood, you're just going to have to do it yourself. That was the plan the, the entire time. whole plan. Yeah. You can't do it. So yeah, That's fine. It, yeah. Give me your arm. I got this. Thank you. Um, along with the bu- blood, Fisher obtained Bourdain's fingerprints. Oh my God! Finally, I mean, how long have you seen Law and Order? Just <laughs> oh, go into the house and pick up a glass that he's using. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we could investigate for five years, or we could just run a test today. What do you guys? How do you want to do it? Um, so she sent that to the State Department to see if there was a match with Interpol. Carrie also at this point couldn't handle Bardeen's acting out, so she sent her to live with Beverly. Okay. She, she was down with his nonsense of cutting his face and whatnot. Yeah, not fun. By now, Bourdain had a different take on the family. Putting everything together, he thought Beverly had treated him less like a son and more like a ghost. So he's offended? By- she thinks he's a ghost. Oh, fuck. <laughs> but remember, she does heroin. So she thinks he's there for some reason. Come on over, me and the ghost boy are making dinner. (laughs) Must have some weird talks at night. Y'all met Casper? (laughs) Wow. Just them sitting there, yeah, uncomfortably watching Ghost with Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Just like us, huh? Oh, God. <clears throat> oh, I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> One time. I've decided you're a ghost. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. Well, so you can't she, take DNA from a ghost dummy. But you put that together with with her having fights with the older brother. Yeah. And saying he's a ghost. So yeah. she knew that the older brother killed him. Oh, my God. One time, when Bourdain was staying with her, she got drunk and screamed, 
I know that God punished me by sending you to me. I don't know who the hell you are. Why the fuck are you doing this? Oh you know, God. classic mom shit. Yep. Right? Yep. Classic mom shit. Yep. On, oh Mar- my God. on March 5th, 1998. What the fuck? <laughs> wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> on March 5th, 1998, Beverly called Parker and said she believed that Bourdain was an imposter. The next morning, Parker... A ghost imposter. <laughs> He's a ghost imposter. Wouldn't a ghost have the same fucking color eyes? I would. Why would a ghost be? I'm going back, but I'm going back. I'm going back very French, and I shall have different eyes. They put me through the ghost machine, mother. <laughs> Changed everything. Uh, so she called him, said he's an imposter. The next morning, Parker took Bourdine to a diner. They ordered hotcakes. Uh, first, first he stood up and lifted up his. He, the investigator, stood up and lifted up his jacket to show him that he was armed, okay. and then he sat down at the table. Uh, then he was like, "What are you gonna get? <laughs> <laughs> What's grabbing you? <laughs> hotcakes are supposed to be good. The hotcakes are good here. This is your first time at Waffle House? Yeah, I'm packing. After nearly five months of pretending to be Nicholas Barkley, Bourdain says he was physically. Fried. According to Parker, when he told Nicholas that he had upset his mother, the young man blurted out, she's not my mother and you know it. Are you going to tell me who you are? I'm Frederick Bourdain and I'm wanted by Liverpool. Oh, there I said it. Uh, oh. Uh-huh. Oh, Give cakes. me a cigarette. Oh, oh, God. God. I feel right as rain. <laughs> the food here is awful. <laughs> you people are walking piglets. How the fuck are you living? Oh my god. Have you ever heard of cheese? <laughs> By the way, candle box? Awful. <laughs> Awful band. Um, after a few minutes, Parker went into the men room, men's room and called Nancy Fisher with the news. Uh, <clears throat> she had just received the same information from Inter- Interpool. We're trying to get a warrant now, she told him. Stall him. After about an hour, Parker drove Bourdain back to Beverly's apartment. Fisher and the authorities descended on him. He surrendered quietly. Uh, I knew I was Frederick Bourdain again, he said. Beverly reacted less calmly. She turned and yelled at Fisher, what took you so long? So the crazy heroin lady (laughs) who put up all the fucking roadblocks and kept saying, no, that's him, is now like, what the fuck have you been doing? You know, Nicholas is dead, dummy. Jesus Christ. In custody, Bourdain told a story that seemed as fanciful as his tale of being Nicholas Barkley. He alleged that Beverly and Jason may have been complicit in Nicholas's disappearance and that they had known from the outset that Bourdain was lying. I'm a good imposter, but I'm not that good, Bourdain said. But the cops couldn't really believe him because he was a weirdo who had passed himself off as a kid from another country. <laughs> you see where things start to get complicated. Terry. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, so, we, we uh, you want to go over to the talk to the ear guys? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we do this stuff here. I don't. Let me get my supervisor because I don't even know if we can do anything. <clears throat> are you talking about like a double murder? Or what are you talking about? What's your deal? Um, I thought you were a ghost. <laughs> Not crazy. 
Are you a ghost? <laughs> are you the real kid? Or are you the French guy? Are you the French guy? Or are you Nicholas? Or are you the ghost man of Nicholas? Which guy are you right now? Be honest. No bullshit. <laughs> Carrie had a nervous breakdown. Oh, God. After Bourdain was arrested. But the cops became suspicious that Beverly had made it so hard for them to investigate the kidnapping and didn't let Bourdain live with her when he first came home. Mm-hmm. Fisher began to hedge toward a homicide investigation. Mm-hmm. Then they uncovered evidence that Nicholas had been abused. Okay. Which they never uncovered before when he because they just thought he ran away. Yeah. But they were he was at school, they kept seeing signs of him being abused. Right. Uh Sometimes he hit Beverly also. So it was going both ways. Uh, They had, I think they were about to, I think they were about to arrest someone. They were getting a warrant when he disappeared. One day, Fisher asked Beverly to take a polygraph. She said, yep. Well, because she had been living with a ghost. So yeah, yeah. what could what could possibly go wrong? Well, she also thinks it's, you know, you stand in the way of blood donation by laying down. Yeah, she's not. Not knowing that's probably the favored position for blood. She's not huge on science. Nope. Uh, so she passed the polygraph. Whoa. Twice. Eey. Yep. All right. And Fisher was like, I don't, this can't be right. And the polygraph examiner said, the only way you can fool a polygraph test is if you're on drugs. Ah. (laughs) So they waited until the drugs wore off. And then they asked her again, and it was like the biggest failure. Like the machine, Uh, like, exploded. Smoking. I need to take five. I need to take a five on this. This thing is really overheating right now. Um, when the examiner asked if Beverly knew Nicholas's whereabouts, the machine went crazy. Oh, fuck. She blew the instruments practically off the table. Oh, my God. According to Fisher, when the examiner told Beverly that she had failed the, the exam and began pressing her with more questions, Beverly yelled, I don't have to put up with this, and then ran out the door. On the contrary. Fisher ran out. Uh, oh, no. Fisher then went and interviewed Jason. Uh-huh. And now I believe Jason and Beverly both knew what had happened and had a hand in what happened to Nicholas. So, so Nicholas is being abused by probably Jason. Jason is abusing Beverly. And now Nicholas is at school, start investigation because of his bruises and stuff. So right. they're going to come and arrest Beverly. So Jason takes care of kills kid. Beverly, right? That's my assumption. Kills Nicholas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason refused to speak to the authorities again without a lawyer or unless he was under arrest. Several weeks later, Jason died of a, co- of a uh, cocaine overdose. Parker, who knew that Jason had been off drugs for more than a year, says he asked, he asked Beverly if she thought he'd taken his life on purpose. She said, I don't know. But the police believe it was a suicide. Jesus. A while later, Parker interviewed Beverly. He asked her if Jason had hurt Nicholas. She paused for a moment and then she said she didn't think so. She acknowledged that when Jason did cocaine, he became totally wacko, a completely different person, and it was scary. He even beat up his father once. She thought Jason was lying about when he last saw Nicholas. He also asked her how 
she could believe that for nearly five months, a 23-year-old Frenchman with dyed hair, brown eyes, and a European accent was her son. And she, Finally. And she said, you know, when you put it like that, you know, it seems a little you, over the top. You're really making it sound weird. <laughs> she said she wanted it to be him so badly. It was only after he came to live with her that she had doubts. Right. Wait, no. Right. No. 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 You wouldn't go near him at the airport. Yeah. You wouldn't let him live at your house. No. You were screaming, you who the him. fuck are you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, he just didn't act like my son, Beverly said. I couldn't bomb him. Because my son was murdered by my other son. <laughs> okay. Fisher said one thing was certain. Beverly had to know it wasn't her son. After several months of investigation, it was determined there was no evidence to charge anyone with Nicholas's disappearance. There were no witnesses, no DNA, or authorities could not even say... If Nicholas was dead on September 9th, 1998, Bourdain stood in court in San Antonio and pleaded guilty to perjury to obtaining and possessing false documents. The investigators called Bourdain a flesh eating bacteria. Oh, yeah, that's rough, right? Eesh. That's fucking rough. That's, that's a tough one. Well, at least I like a good cheese. So fuck meet you. Mr. Ebola. <laughs> <laughs> the judge sentenced him to six years, more than three times what was recommended on sentencing guidelines. Bourdin went back to France after he was released six years later. Within months of being released from prison and deported to France in October 2003, Bourdin resumed playing a child. He even stole the identity of a 14-year-old missing French boy named Leo Bailey, who had vanished almost eight years late, earlier on a camping trip. This time, police did a DNA test that quickly revealed that he was lying. Uh, he was also how old? Like twenty-eight. Oh yeah, no, he kept doing it. He, I mean, up he until needs two, to he kept doing know your it, range. He kept doing it up until two thousand and five. So he's like an old man. He st- he was wearing hats and saying that he had scars on his head and living in an orphanage. And then they finally saw a, a photograph, an old story and a photograph of the one known as the chameleon throughout France. And they were like, oh, my God, that's the chameleon. And they brought him in and he was like, yeah, I took off his hat. And he goes, I'm just losing my hair. The gig is up. Like, he still kept doing it. Wow. Uh, he says he stopped uh, living as an imposter in 2005 because of a cat. I think that's a he very said normal sentence. He got a cat. <laughs> What's weird about that? He got a cat and it saved his life. Sure. Because he then actually the cat was a fucking dog. (laughs) The whole time. (laughs) Which you can now see cat dog on Goldsmith. Cat dog followed by Ghost Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) On ABC this season. Is he a ghost or is he a boy? Or is he just a lunatic? Uh, he has stopped living in as an imposter since 2005. He married a woman and now has a child. His real family didn't come to the wedding because they didn't believe him when he said he was getting married. Yeah. Uh, shocking. Bardeen's mother, Ghislaine, says that her son is a liar and will never change. But hasn't she heard about the magic cat? <laughs> so what, what? So the cat, he got a cat and then he was just like, I love this cat. I can't imposter. Anymore. I can't. Hello. What can I do? I can't say. No, I can't. I can't go to the kitty and say, yeah. no, now my name is Gerard. Yes. What would the kitty he do? He would be so confused. He speaks English. <laughs> he knows language. <laughs> Fuck. How about that? Wow. Part. Now, what I was thinking like halfway through was that the real Nicholas was going to show up. But this is even more fucked up. Yeah. They killed Nicholas. They killed him. Yeah. And hung out. 
for five months. With? I mean, Jason must have just been like, the fuck is shit? No, he got that call and he was in the San Antonio. He's like, I'm not going up there. And yeah. finally they were like, come and see him. Why won't you come see Nicholas? And hey, he Nicholas. Came up and went outside. I'm not like, you're not fucking Nicholas. And yeah. you're like, really? Because I know you killed me. And then like stalemate. See you at the barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> and the mother just thought he yeah. was a fucking ghost. And she was sent she, by God. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, the whole thing was fucked up. It's funny that he probably, Frederic probably thought when he was doing this that he was the crazy wild card. Yeah. And, and then he got there and he's like, fuck, I'm normal. <laughs> I'm the most normal one I'm, here. I'm a non-murderer. I'm winning in the family. I'm one of the best family members. I've never murdered a family member, which in this household's huge. Fuck. Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. Real weird. That's a good one. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. It's almost it's almost up there with the tickling it's, investigation. That's also crack gumshoeing. That is some crack gumshoeing. Yeah. That's really good yeah. stuff. H- hats off to Parker. Yeah. No. Parker. I mean, he's the only one. Who, yeah. Who thought that the the, the brown-eyed kid should have blue eyes and that he had different ears and that... Uh, Completely different human. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. All right. Well done. Good. Hats off to you, sir. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, please uh, review the dollop on iTunes and uh, tell your friends about the dollop. Put some posts up. Get the word out. My name's Gareth. We will be at LA Podfest uh, on September 28th at 4 p.m. We will be, uh, so it'll be 4 p.m. Los Angeles time. We will be live streamed so uh, you can see it in Australia. Oh, nice. Uh, cool. Yeah. Uh, and I'll put up a link so you guys can buy the stream through LA Podfest if you want. Uh, th- I'm sorry, through the dollop. Right. That kicks a little money back to us. Yeah, and then we'll spend it on... And we're going to get... Uh, we're gonna buy drugs that. and yep. booze. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> get ourselves a trailer and do it right. Yeah. I'm going to pretend to be you. You pretend to be me. Oh, man. Fuck yeah. That's a weekend. <laughs> or five months. I'm Ghost Dave Anthony. I'm Ghost Gary Reynolds. <laughs> Gareth. Even the ghost is Gary? I'm Ghost Gareth. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for my scraps. I don't know what my name was. <laughs> hey there, people listening to The Dollop. Uh, this is Gareth. Yes, the same guy. I Listen, I have a new podcast called We're Here to Help that I'm doing with my friend Jake Johnson. It's basically a call and advice show where we don't say that we're professionals because we aren't, but we try to help people with problems that are important to them. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts, and it is out right now. So go listen to We're Here to Help with Jake and Gareth. We're here to help with Gareth and Jake. I don't remember how we did it, but either way, fun. Half Hour comes out Tuesday, August 22nd, and the episodes will be out every Tuesday and Friday. We're here to help. Oh, hey there, everybody. It's Gareth, you know, from this uh, this podcast. Uh, listen, I've got some stand-up shows. I'm inviting the Garmy, the Gareth Army, 
to join me for. I will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, August 18th and August 19th. I will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, August 24th through August 26th at Acme. I will be going to the UK in September. Please join me. I will be in Glasgow, September 13th, London, September 15th, Dublin, September 17th, and September 19th, Manchester, Birmingham, September 20th, Bristol, September 22nd, and Cardiff, September 24th. And then in November, I'll be in Australia. November 10th, almost sold out, I think. I'll be in Melbourne, Australia. Then I will be in Northbridge, Australia on November 15th. Adelaide, November 16th. Canberra, November 17th. Brisbane, November 18th. And then I will be in uh, Sydney on November 24th. Go to GarethReynolds.com for tickets. Garmy, let's get at it after it. Let's see you there.